This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and you're listening to Top Rope Nation. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Well, it's a holiday weekend here in the United States, and uh, regardless of what you may have seen on Twitter.com, Top Rope Nation is still alive. My name is Ryan Drosty, your host as always here with Kyle Ross and Justin Joint. Guys, I might rant on Twitter here in just a minute, but before we get to that, as I mentioned, it's a holiday weekend here in the States, and uh, I just want to throw it out and see, what are you guys doing this weekend? Kyle, you got any big 4th of July plans? Let me tell you something. Um, We're going to have a tag team discussion here, a historical discussion at the end of this program. For the last 11 days, I have been playing the role of Ricky Morton, I think. Just getting beaten on and beaten on by the game of life is, I think I talked about maybe two episodes. My wife was going to Germany, leaving me with our child for 11 days. Uh, Sands one, where my parents were kind enough to take take her and watch her uh, so I could go up for my buddy Brian's birthday. Friend of the show, Brian, his 40th birthday. What a night that was, by the way. But anyway, um, other than that, I have just been beaten on and beaten on by a lot of things. And... Tomorrow, when she gets home, 6 p.m. Eastern, Hopkins International Airport. My wife may not know who Robert Gibson is, but by God, I am going to give her one of the wildest hot tags you have ever seen in your entire life. Because <laughs> I'm hurting, man. I'm hurting. I don't know if it's going to draw a pop, but I'm doing it because I ain't got should, much left. We should have just live streamed your entire week with your daughter live on the air. <laughs> That would have been entertaining. Been I, would, I bet we would have got hundreds of new followers. She's YouTube been page. to the doctor. I've been to the doctor. We went for a walk. Got caught in Hurricane Hugo. Oh, <laughs> what a week! Hey, at least you saw she Brian. Keeps, she keeps yelling no whenever I try to turn on the Crockett Cup '86. <laughs> That's the worst thing of all. <laughs> How can you watch Crockett Cup 86, Kyle, when you got, you know, Princess Sophia and Daniel Tiger out there? You just can't compete with that kind of content. We haven't started with the cartoon game yet. Thankfully. Oh, it's coming. It's coming yeah, soon. And then your TV will be completely overtaken. And good luck watching any classic professional wrestling. Let me tell you. I can tell you from experience. Uh, Justin Joint, what are your holiday weekend plans coming up here? Just going to be... Uh putting the finishing touches on my Megan Rapino shrine. 
Oh, yes. Nice. I'm going to be sipping some tea. Yeah. While wearing some non Betsy Ross flag uh, Nike shoes. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I can't. No relation, by the way. I can't, I can't rag on the uh, the British too much because uh, about 10% of our downloads come from the great United Kingdom these days. And uh, so I shout out know. to all of our listeners across the pond. I don't know why we had a revolution, quite frankly. I've always enjoyed the Brits. Oh, I'll tell you why. Because a bunch of smugglers here in the United States wanted to make even more money. So they had this group called the Sons of Liberty and they convinced the commoners, we got to get away from parliament. We got to get away from the king so we can make more money. And it all just spiraled out of control after that. I knew historical Ryan had an answer. That's right. But uh, it, yeah, hey, there you go. That's what happened. It's an interesting topic. But the great United States is, is celebrating our birthday this weekend. So we are recording on uh, Wednesday night. I had heard that Donald Trump had led a tank and, and just ran over King George. And were they wrong? Say my wife tells me I'm wrong all the time. Hey, you know, it may it may literally rain on his parade tomorrow. I don't know. You'll you'll know by the time you guys are listening to this, unless you're one of our Patreon supporters who are watching us live here on Wednesday, July 3rd. This, this show will be hitting the podcast streams. Well, either it might hit on the 4th. I don't know. It depends if I want to edit this show tonight before bed or not, or for sure by Friday the 5th. But uh, we shall see. But we are here. It's, a, it's an extended holiday weekend in the States, but we got to give you content. It's episode 105. And uh, as I mentioned, guys, for me, what's been taking up all of my time is Twitter.com because Twitter.com, my God, I don't know. Those of you that follow us on Twitter at Top Rope Nation, if you haven't seen us tweeting, it's because I don't know what the hell is going on over on Twitter, but our page seems to be nearly deactivated by Twitter. I don't know why. As far as I know, we haven't broken any rules. We have a large following of real people on Twitter, not bots. Uh, we spent five years garnering this reputation on Twitter. And about a week ago, a friend of the show, Kyle Ryan, let me know that he wasn't seeing our tweets. And I looked into it and uh, our follow list started disappearing. Our followers uh, started disappearing. And uh, right now, I, I am unable to follow anyone. And uh, when I tweet, uh, nothing shows up in people's feeds. So uh, I'm hoping to get this uh, straightened out with Twitter. But in the meantime, guys, if you don't like the page on Facebook, look us up on Facebook. We're on Instagram uh, at Top Rope Nation. That's a good way to get a hold of us and uh, see us putting out our our links and our comments there until this Twitter thing gets straightened out. But like I said, I've I've sent so many messages to Twitter support. I've heard nothing back. The only thing I'm getting back is automated responses about, well, change your password. And that thanks, doesn't Jack. work. Yeah, thanks a lot, Jack. So uh, guys, if you want to help us out, Send a tweet to at Twitter support, tag right. us in it, at Top Rope Nation, and say, hey, at Twitter support, what in the hell is going on with this great pro wrestling podcast? And what has happened to their page? I, I'm at a loss. I've been trying to figure this out. Apparently, some other people on Twitter have had the same issue from my searching. And uh, I'm hoping it just goes back to normal. But like I said, it's been about a week. And uh, I mean, we've had this page since the days of Top Rope Press. We converted it over to the podcast page. And a lot of time and energy has gone into that Twitter page. So it's really disappointing. And it, for Twitter to not even send me any information about why some of these features have been disabled on our account. I, I don't know. The only thing I can think of is the fact that we followed a lot of accounts on there. I think we had 22,000 followers. But when we followed around fifteen or 16,000, because we give everyone a follow back. 
Uh, but that's not breaking the rules. In fact, there's many, many, many wrestling podcasts out there that follow five, six times as many accounts as we do. And uh, their pages are fine. So uh, no idea what's going on. So <laughs> for the meantime, use Instagram, use Facebook. We wanted to let you know we're still here by putting out the show every week as we always do. And of course, we're on Patreon patreon.com slash top rope nation where you can go ahead and fund the show become a supporter get that free sticker sent to you in the mail here are exclusive content uh we'll be doing a new edition of top rope nation classics in the next week or two reviewing an old show you can check out the full archive there we get the exclusive podcast and uh you know see what there is so uh, patreon.com slash top rope nation and as always if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, hit subscribe. Leave us the five-star rating. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, TopRopeNation.com, uh, wherever podcasts are found. Tune in radio. You can hear us on your Amazon Alexa device. Just say, Alexa, play Top Rope Nation Wrestling Podcast, and it will oh. come on. Anyways, guys, uh, AEW Fighter Fest was this past weekend. I did want to you know, chat briefly about it. It was a good show. It, uh, it didn't have... Well, I don't want to say it didn't have the publicity of Double or Nothing because a lot of people were talking about it afterwards because of some of the more dangerous spots, which we can talk about here if you want. But uh, overall, I thought it was a good show. The pre-show, I kind of just vaguely had on in the background. The pre-show was so-so, but uh, I thought the main card was exciting. I thought it was good stuff. Um, Kyle, what was your general observations on on uh, Fighter Fest? It was not as good as Double or Nothing, but it was not intended to be, so that's not a problem. Um it was a bridge show, and what the show wound up being was nothing novel, but it kind of is novel by comparison to WWE because it was a, a successful bridge show in that, okay, we've had one big event, Double or Nothing. We're having another big show, All Out, and we just need to get there. We're going to have these aren't throwaway matches. They're not just throw, just not pointless stuff. That's going to be nothing in the grand scheme of things, but it's, it's largely a bridge to get to the bigger show. And all the winners I thought were pretty lo were logical, mm -hmm. which isn't a bad thing. Okay. Um, you know, Moxley needed the win. Got it. Um, Hangman page definitely needed the win. Got it. Uh, Chima, what not needed the win got it so you know um in that regard i thought it was fine it was you know I don't, there was nothing blow away on the show but it certainly you cannot call it a great show but you definitely cannot call it a bad show it was a good i, I would rate like everything kind of between if you're doing the star rating game between like three and four stars i thought everything was on the show mm-hmm um, would, you, would you say I do want to come back after Justin or we go around the horn or whatever I did want to come back to the Cody Darby Allen match because I thought that was the one match which had several talking points mm -hmm. oh yeah that's actually what I, exactly what I was going to throw it to um, I know Justin you haven't had a chance to see the whole show yet um, but do you have any general thoughts on what you've seen on social media and I'm sure you've seen some clips from the show and uh, anything that grabs you right off the bat yeah, I mean, uh, I'm sure we're going to be talking about it, but all, all I really got to see were some GIFs. And yes, that's GIFs with a hard G because it stands for Graphic Interchange Format. That's right. Graphic, GIF, GIF, hard G. Um, but it's, I, um, 
you know, I'm sure we're going to be covering the big talking point here coming up, but uh, I guess I just thought it was really cool when John Moxley spit out the, the, the tack. I mean, so that's really all I got. <laughs> that match was way more than I expected. Uh, and that, that last match got pretty, pretty hardcore. I'm not generally into that type of wrestling. I'm, I don't know if you guys are. I don't think you are from our, our previous conversations, but no, not really. I think it's one of those things that when it's overdone, it becomes really boring. Mm. And the last thing that style of wrestling should be is boring. Yeah. So you really need to be very careful how often you go to that. Well, I thought it was interesting that uh, Tony Khan on the post show was very upfront that you wouldn't be seeing anything like that on TNT, which of course would be the case. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that it's, this is not the, the kind of thing that you're going to be seeing often from AEW more and more or less, I guess, probably in the future as kind of like a blow off type thing. But uh, it definitely grabbed people's attention on Saturday night. But so did that Cody Darby Allen match. And uh, we talked about it in the preview of this show. Darby Allen has, has been kind of this rising star in the independent scene. He does a lot of crazy stuff. And uh, he did here in this match. He took the crazy back bump off the top rope to the ring apron. I mean, no need, guys. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I gasped at the time, but like. We just, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of criticism thrown New Japan's way uh, in that, you know, in the uh, Ibushi, when Ibushi did it. Um, yeah. We know it's the hardest part of the ring, folks. Yeah, it was. That was not pretty. I, I mean, I cringe watching that. Like, why even? Why do that? Why put your future at risk over just one little spot? You know, it's that's just not smart. But it got people talking. I'm sure that's what he was looking for. Um, I did think the Cody Darby match was probably the best dramatic story told. Um, and uh, you know, it, it went to the that. it went to the draw. What's that? I said I'll co-sign on that. Yeah, it went it went to the time limit draw. Like Cody had it won, but the uh, the time limit expired there at the end, so he didn't. You know, they they kept Darby as as a legitimate threat uh, going forward for people that hadn't seen him before. And uh, I think we might have talked on the pre-show about that, like how they would go about doing that because he was a rising star, but we weren't sure that they would want to beat Cody either. Um, so it was interesting to see them go to a draw this early on their second show because they've talked about how they're going to be like a winners and losers promotion. Yes. And there's an irony because I have no problem with this draw. Yeah. You know, I've said on this program before, you can tell a story with the draw. And, and the story here was very clear that, okay, yeah, Darby Allen got his ass kicked, but he didn't lose. Mm -hmm. He hung the 20 minutes. And it's a completely fine story. And it's funny. Meltzer put it over, of course. He did. But, you know, when, when pressed on the draw issue, this would be a total non-issue if they weren't so, they meaning the promotion, AEW, so like up front and kind of, you know, the spin was from the Meltzers and such the world that, oh, we're not doing draws. This is a pure sports, winners and losers. Had they not been so upfront about that I, I don't think there'd be any problem with that mm -hmm. but the, I, in a vacuum i have zero issue with that finish whatsoever i just think you know it's a little it was a little amusing to see you know Meltzer kind of have to retcon his argument you know after the way you know the view on draws had been spun right initially. yeah i agree i think it was it was logical the way they did it but uh yeah when you look at the things they've said in in promotion in advance that was a little harder to square away but yeah i i thought it was fine 
Yeah, I mean, yes, draws suck. Well, okay, you know what? I was thinking about this. I didn't. I didn't take notes for this show. Warning, so I could ramble a little bit more. But some things just came back to me on the subject of the draw. You know what a shitty draw was that happened recently that most people remember? The Seth Rollins Kofi Kingston night after main match. Mm-hmm. That was a shitty draw because WWE booked a situation that they had no intent, which was winner take all, that they had no intention of delivering, no intention of going back to. By the way, this is a sign of poor writing on a show. You're those two guys. You're their characters, right? You didn't win that match. It was interrupted by the bar. Okay. Wouldn't it be a really big deal to be the unified world champion in the WWE, right? It would be a big deal. Okay. Neither guy has mentioned it since. That's just bad. That's bad storytelling. Period. Mm -hmm. Like in a discussion. Sorry, folks. It just is. Just wanted to say that. This, though, you expect it to be followed up on. Now, I'm going to get to Cody in a second, and I think there are some legit criticisms that can be made of Cody, his character. But Darby Allen's character is going to obviously say, hey, I want more. And from Cody's perspective, he's like, God, I want to beat this kid. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's actually a useful draw. The draw became bastardized in the Monday Night Wars by, you know, Bischoff era Nitro because they would be guilty of what I just talked about with WWE. They put matches in the ring. They had no intention of delivering a conclusion and would not go back to. Yeah. Um, and then after the match, of course, you had the, the spot that was the most talked about thing of the night when uh, the former Ty Dillinger comes out with the chair, uh, the gimmicked chair, as they told us after the show, looked like it was pre-dented and uh, hits Cody in the head with it. Unprotected chair shot. Uh, Justin, when you heard about this, what were your initial thoughts? Because I know you've talked about on the show before how you don't really watch the NFL anymore because of the head injury situation. So I really wanted to get your perspective on this. What, what did you think when you saw this? It was pretty ugly. Um, you know, in the, in the weirdest thing is, is not only is it just really bad for the, the wrestler, but it's also nonsensical. Like if someone's swinging a chair at you, you're going to put your hand up. You're going to put your arm up. So why not do that? I mean, does does that take away from the moment at all? If maybe, you know, some of the chair hits his hand to block the blow, but he still drops. I mean, it's just it's just dumb. Right. Like you don't even flinch or react at all. Yeah. <laughs> the only logical to that point, that's a very good point. Unprotected chair shot I can ever recall was like the climactic moment of the first Hell in a Cell between Michaels and Taker when Michaels had just been beaten within an inch of his life and he just like turns around and walks into it. Mm. But like other than that, like, th- like you know, because he had just nothing left and he just eats the chair shot and it's just like you think it's over and then whatever, Kane shows up and we all go unhappily ever after. But you're right, just as right. It is kind of illogical to take an unprotected chair shot because if someone's swinging a chair at me, I'm putting my hands up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he got split open really bad. 12 staples. Uh, basically what happened is the opening in the back of the chair kind of like wrapped around the back of his head and sliced him open really ugly as he laid there on the mat and you saw the blood, like pretty thick blood, just, you know, dripping out and pooling underneath him. I was legitimately scared for the guy, you know, for a while there, it was, it was really bad. And you saw the gash in the back of his head. The announcers were clearly concerned 
Uh, luckily, didn't JR have... JR was sure to call it to the side of the head, my God. Yeah. <laughs> luckily, um, he didn't have a concussion, which is amazing, but uh, he was he was cut open really, really bad. So uh, a, lot, a lot of discussion about that. I mean, I think we would all agree probably unprotected chair shots in this day and age are not something you need to be doing. You could have told the story just by having spears, not with just the one, like I... Not to defend it, but what they were going for is just that shock moment, just the one, just that one huge shot. Like, what the heck? But to me, if you just beat him up with the chair, you know, hit him, you know, to, on the side, like repeatedly, and then just beat him, like got him to the ground and just started like hitting him over like the back. Mm. The same story has been told. Yeah. And on that note, you know, all these people who are telling me, oh, Sean Spear, Ty Dillinger, is this you know untapped resource in the WWE? All oh, people love that ten channel. Oh, you got to push this Ty Dillinger. A weak reaction to Mister Spears, was it not? Oh yeah, and you've been you've been on the ball on this, Kyle, because you've said on the show before that they can't just take any WWE cast off and assume they're going to be a star. And I think this is you know point A there. I, I mean, who is clamoring to see Sean Spears right now in AEW? I he's not in the probably not in the top ten. Okay. You know, it's it's funny, but that's that's kind of the story they're telling, though, is that, you know, uh, beforehand they had uh, a recording or something of Cody saying that, you know, he's probably not he's not really a superstar, but, he, you know, he's going to make a great coach someday, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, they can turn that. I mean, they, they can turn that into a good story. And, and I want to get back to Cody Rhodes and stories because he's got a lot of them going on around himself right now uh, on the program. But. As far as this one goes, and with Sean Spears, would this have had a better impact had he not yet appeared on AEW television? Had he not been on the Battle Royal? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Just the shock value, for sure. I, I just say that because if this is WWE, that's gets, that gets brought up. And again, mm-hmm. we're objective on this show. Mm-hmm. Okay, we don't root, root, root for the home team. Let's use our brains, folks. You know, Let's apply the same r- rules that we do to each promotion. Yeah, no, absolutely. Great point. So, uh, what what else did you have on Cody, Kyle? I'll let you say your piece. I brought this up when we talked about Double or Nothing, the match with Dustin. And, you know, for the record, I I said that that is, you know, at the time was my match of the year. And I think it's still, you know, along with the Osprey Takagi match, you know, they're one two for me. So let's let me preface that. But my one criticism of Cody and Dustin is, Man, does his character seem to vacillate between babyface and heel. And it's kind of rich that he's chosen like Triple H as his as his anti-WWE target when isn't it pretty fair to say a lot of the criticisms you could levy on Triple H, and there are many, which are fair. You could levy towards Cody Rhodes as a performer as well. Very, look, very similar. Look at it. He, I mean, this promote. I mean, how many storylines does this guy have kind of around him already? You know, yeah. I mean, he's got the, you know, him and his brother going to wrestle the Bucks, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Um, he's got now Darby Allen, and he's got Sean Spears, and you know, this is he very clearly worked as a heel in the both matches so far. Mm-hmm. Okay. But the thing he did with the sledgehammer at Double or Nothing was a total babyface move. Yeah. And then he babyfaced himself after the match with that promo. 
Um, but then he comes back here, works total heel. And I, you know, and another comparison with Triple H too. Heat segments take a little long sometimes, don't they? <laughs> I, think, I think this match might have been better as a 15-minute draw. Could have told the same story. That's, a, you know, something I criticize a lot of people for in 2019. But then, you know, he after working the heel, Spears comes out, potatoes him with the chair, and we're supposed to feel sympathy for him. If this is WWE, this guy's getting crucified, right? Yeah. A yo-yo of emotions. <laughs> yeah, Except absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of similarities there, though, for the uh, the throne breaker and the yeah. game. <laughs> By the way, I, I did. I said this before. I think I think Cody Rhodes versus Triple H in 2019 would be the worst match ever. <laughs> yeah, I would not be clamoring to see that one. It'd no. be like the, get the Spider-Man gif up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey what did you guys think uh i want to throw this out to you because i saw some different opinions on this so the the elites match with the lucha brothers and uh laredo kid and obviously uh the elite comes out dressed in the street fighter gear and uh they did like the moves from the video game what did you guys think of that because i saw some people on twitter like crucifying it that that was just too goofy and i'm thinking like lighten up people i thought i thought it was cool I, I thought it was cool they they uh recreated some of the street fighter moves in the match i thought the outfits were sweet i mean the bucks have been on par i, I mean I'm a little biased here as an elvis fan but uh i love their get ups at double or nothing and uh i thought this was i thought this was really really cool what did you guys think about it? did you have any problem with that at all i can i just real quick I, i've i've seen the results of the show I've seen some of the gifts. Uh, that's the first thing I've heard where I really actually want to go back and watch it now because I had not heard about that. Oh, yeah. I thought it was awesome. I mean, I was watching it here with my buddy Tim, who's a big gamer, and right away, he called Kenny's outfit before he came out. <laughs> I called her exactly what he was going to be dressed up like. And uh, I, I we popped for it. I thought it was cool. Like, if you had a problem with this, you're taking wrestling too seriously, I think. The, the, whole, the whole premise of the show is silly based on... Uh, uh what was it the fire festival yeah uh, so i mean yeah you gotta i think you need to go into the show a little bit more lighthearted. well exactly that yeah they're having the show at a video game festival which <laughs> i gotta say man this mgf mjf what a talent he is oh, <laughs> i know poor, if he was on the podcast he'd run me down for saying that but uh, man, this that guy poor, is, that, that poor bastard they showed it for that version that, that was that, that was wrong man that was hilarious though i mean man mjf he is so good so good I, is there a better heel in wrestling right now i'm not sure that there is i mean he lived the gimmick every minute of the day every interview he does with our friend chris van vliet uh you know on twitter He's pulling heel moves and people that uh, tag him in posts and uh, both shows with with Brett at Double or Nothing and here with the crowd uh, before the four way he was in. Really good stuff. Had, he's, had got that, that up there. he's got that Miz natural heel charisma to him. Like, oh, you know, yeah. you look at him and you want to boo him. Mm. OK, so let me be the odd man out here. I was in the Jim Ross camp when it came to the Bucks entrance. I actually didn't know what the hell they were doing. Like, I don't. I don't know a lot about video games. Well, that's fine. So it closer. doesn't take away from the show, does it? No, but but I did tweet, um, text my buddy, Chad. I was like, "Wow, the Bucks came across looking more like tools than stars in their entrance there." And I said, "Oh, I guess I didn't get that. It was an ode to some video game." You so, really don't know Street Fighter, Kyle. You're of the age you should know Street Fighter. I did not. I had, no idea, I had no idea what they were doing. And then I did know 
mid-match when they did the thing where they all like held their hand out mm-hmm. like, i was like okay but and then the announcers also hit you over the head with it like i did remember that being some sort of like reference but yeah when they came out i had no idea what they were doing i was like what, what are they doing <laughs> well i mean for those in the know it was cool yes it was just, fine. Justin, you know street fighter right yeah okay okay but to a ca- okay to a casual audience what do you think I mean, again, th- that probably wasn't much of a casual audience, but you know. I mean, again, it just if they had done this out of the blue, maybe. But it, since it was at a gaming festival, I think it's been like I said, and I said there was the. Ca- I'm like, oh, it was a video. Okay, I mean, it makes perfect sense. I'm just saying that I personally did not know what it was, and cannot. I, I mean, were Jim Ross and I the only people, you know, that didn't know what it what it was? And if that's true, then I mean, that's shame on me, I guess. But like, you know, I'm just saying, like, if you. Were there other, is it, it's only an issue. The only reason way it's an issue is if like casual people watch it and are like, these guys are tools. I'm not rooting for these people. Like that's <laughs> I, the yeah. only way it's an issue. If, if that didn't happen, then it is a non-factor. I, I'd say the majority probably because Street Fighter is a game that people still play. And man, when, when did that first come out? Early nineties, mid nineties, that that game spans almost 30 years. So I, I think, you know, 40 somethings, a lot of them would know it. The younger kids know it. And, and they're at a gaming festival. I don't know. I just, I thought it was worthy of discussion because I, I saw some people criticizing on Twitter. I'm like, really? Like, of all things they criticize, I thought it was cool. But Justin, go back and watch it. It's, you'll like it. As you wish. <laughs> uh, only other thing, too. Janella and Alan were kind of, playing the same role on this card was that yeah taking the big bumps well well, yeah and they were like it was like the up-and-comer against the more established star who's been from wwe you know and it was a hardcore style environment was that too much of one thing on the same card or you okay with that or Mm. yeah Again, I'm, I'm okay with it because it was okay. different different style matches. If they okay. both had done the non-sanction or the hardcore matches, yeah, that'd be too much. It was them. it was different. I'm, so, I'm just saying again, if it's WWE, that question gets asked. Yeah. So yeah, the main event we kind of already touched on it. The hardcore match, it was good for what it was. It's, it's not typically my cup of tea, but I'm not gonna lie, watching it, you know, I reacted to most of the big spots that they were doing, and uh, about the, the thumbtack stuff as always was pretty gruesome janella took a big bump off the ladder uh, you know they, they did what they had to do moxley had to get the win uh, but they made they made janella look like a pretty big deal in the process so i, th- I thought this succeeded yeah and him getting a main event spot you know yeah i doing it so no like i said this was a bridge show and it was a good bridge show you know not every show has like you know when wwe does its way of just booking week show to show week to week you know, month to month, you get a lot of stuff that just doesn't, you know, you, you don't get bridge shows anymore because they're not bridging to anything. You know, it's mm-hmm. not like, you know, remember, remember a little thing called the highway to hell? Remember summer of 98? Oh, what a fantastic time. Okay. That was. Yeah. You, you heard ACDC a lot that summer. Okay. Which is a great thing. You know, they announced that main event weeks in advance, like what, maybe even close to two months. They announced that, right? It was after because Austin wins the title back here in Cleveland. I was at that show. And pretty soon after, they announced the SummerSlam main event with Undertaker. And there was a show in between, fully loaded, where they did a tag match. It was like them two against, what, Kane and Mankind. 
I think they win the tag titles for a couple weeks. That was a bridge show. Bridge shows are okay if they, um, their success is not whether it's not whether or not it's a blowaway show. It's does it enhance you wanting to watch the next big upcoming show? And I think this did that. It was better than Stomping Ground, which I think AEW probably takes for granted. But you know, if this is a you know a quote unquote war we're in between the two promotions, I think that needs to be discussed mm-hmm. or said or set on the record. Yeah. Well, you can make the case that uh, next weekend, both companies could be looking at those shows as uh, bridge shows because you got Fight for the Fallen, which will be the last show before All Out. And then you got WWE Extreme Rules the next day. Well, that's uh, more of a throwaway show, I believe, than a bridge show. I don't <laughs> bridge to, well, it's the last pay-per-view before SummerSlam. The bridge to nowhere, I believe. That it's, show it's is. the bridge for getting Baron Corbin into yet another main event. God help us. Hopefully no. not. No, it won't be. No, it, it, it's, you know, it's winner take all. <laughs> I mean, I guess if he wins it, they would do a, I a hope not. rematch, but I don't think that's going to No, happen. it'll be time to pull the plug by then. But uh, no, uh, next weekend, that's going to be a huge weekend. We'll be previewing it all on the show, episode 106 uh, next week. The but, war uh, back, by the way, because you have the Evolve Anniversary show going head to head with Fight for the Fall, and we're going to have to discuss that next that's week. Right. That's right. So we'll have a big, big show next week. Make sure that you tune in for that. Subscribe so you don't miss it. Um, so that's pretty much, I, I guess that's everything I wanted to cover from Fighter Fest. It's been a few days, obviously, at this point, almost a week, but uh, needed to cover it. And uh, now, as we look forward to uh, WWE's television, well, I, I use that term loosely, look forward to WWE television. But guys, maybe you are. Uh, <laughs> we recorded the edition of uh, Top Rope Nation Extra for Patreon last week where Kyle and myself immediately provided some hot takes on uh, the rehiring of Eric Bischoff to WWE in creative for SmackDown. We got Paul Heyman now on Raw doing creative. And uh, this week was the first week of the new era. Now, apparently Bischoff really didn't have any impact on SmackDown this week. I um, see him turning, on, turn, turning in that old 1999 effort, easy. <laughs> yeah. Raw, um, I think uh, Heyman was uh, involved a little bit, correct? A uh, little. From what I heard, not not majorly yet. They're kind of, they're working them in slowly to their new roles, head of creative on each show. If but you read the internet, you would have no idea. Yeah, no, you would have no idea. Um, they, did, they did pull some big angles on Raw. Yeah. Uh, Raw was much better than SmackDown, I thought. Uh, covering SmackDown it was more for newsworthy. Oh okay. yeah, that well, that's exactly what I'm getting at because I'm covering SmackDown for, as always, ComicBook.com, and uh, you know I'm, we write stories over the big headlines happening during the show, and I'm watching SmackDown. It's like there's not really anything to write. Like nothing major happened. Uh, I think I wrote an article about the the stipulation added to the Undertaker match. Uh, for extreme rules um they added uh heavy machinery to the tag team match at the end i wrote an article over that smackdown just wasn't like a majorly headline show uh not making major headlines but raw certainly did with the aj styles thing at the end and then they opened with the the hot angle with lashley and Strowman that had people talking with the big explosion on the entrance way so definitely the the more uh newsworthy show this week was raw what did you guys think kyle well, I thought the most interesting thing and really maybe the only interesting – no, that's not fair. There's a couple interesting things on SmackDown. But the most was that Kevin Owens is clearly going babyface again. Yeah, but, talk about yo-yo. There we go. Well, he never should have turned heel. Mm-hmm. What was that for? Why'd they do that? 
<laughs> they could. I've said it before. Daniel Bryan worked that same show. Yeah. The you, show that they were. Kyle, you had to love uh, Kevin Owens destroying Dolph Ziggler. I, I when Dolph Ziggler came out, I was so mad. <laughs> hey, he actually he gave an interview without screaming the whole time. Yeah, because Owens screamed for him. And <laughs> did you notice, by the way, Owens really got over with that. Um, yeah. And Owens did a very good job, I think, of subtly teasing a face turn throughout the show. And, and it got the crowd ready for So when he hit the stunner at the end of the show on Ziggler, the crowd was with him. And it's the right call to have him as a baby face. He's not fresh as a heel. Um, they managed to just beat him unmercifully um, in the one month since the turn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he, he I, I'm excited to see Kevin Owens as a baby face. Um, the other thing that I liked on SmackDown too was Kofi and Joe's promo. I think some of the content itself exposed that they don't have a lot to work with. But yeah. damn, they, they they tried their best. You know the you know Kofi flipping him off was great. Yeah, you know, there you know not the first non PG thing that we saw or heard on WWE TV this week. So um, the line where Kofi like was like, yeah, you just lost the U.S. title and now you're challenged for I, I would have left that out. I wouldn't have scripted that because you brought that up on the show last week. You don't want to make it seem like your contenders are failing up. Yeah, yeah, because that, that was a big, big, big problem uh, logically to make yeah. that leap. Well, yeah. Well, the thing is, but I don't think, I don't think he talked about wanting revenge for getting tapped by Joe on Raw. Unless if I missed that, I apologize if I did. Yeah, but, like, I, don't, I don't recall that either. Yeah, I would have brought that up, not the you know failing up thing. Um, but Raw, yeah, had the big angle up front. It, um, the Undertaker was on AJ and Ricochet. Seems to have some interest because there was not the big third hour drop. And then you had this Mike and Maria situation. <laughs> what did you make of that? Uh, I would not want to be Mike Kanellis working for the World Wrestling Federation right now. <laughs> and they just re-signed, right? Five years? Yeah. Yeah. I, I felt, I mean... God, that felt right out of the Russo playbook, didn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean, that felt right out of the Russo playbook. I mean, uh, I'll tell you what else it it made me think. It made me also forget about that Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch have no chemistry as a team whatsoever. No, it should not be a storyline, as we've been saying. It just shouldn't. It shouldn't be. It is taking away from Becky, you have to admit at this point. No, no, no. No. Glad you brought that up. So it's funny. Your concern is totally misplaced in that situation. She's the, over, she's the over one. He ain't. But she doesn't need to be in the story. Like, it's just yes. a waste of Becky Lynch. Yes. yes, I think it's holding her back. So it is hurting her. Yeah, it's hurting her. But, like, I think... That's I my think, point, yeah. Although, I, I thought you... I See, the way I was ingesting some of your verbiage was to be that, oh, well, this is going to really like devalue, like, okay, again, I guess you're going to come back. Well, it is, but like, I like <laughs> she was going to be the second fiddle. Like, I guess is like the way I was kind of hearing you. Yeah. And to me, she's the one who's over like granted. Okay. Seth would like start the match with the crowd was chanting for the tag of Becky pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, man, like Seth, it's just like that whole line about, oh, you meet, what was it? What did he say? Like, 
what was the uh, word they used? Like about him being like him being. Um, oh come on! What was the word he used? He kind of is a wink, wink, nod, nod to his Twitter thing. Oh yeah. And he's like, oh, what me? I'm you know I can be impetuous or whatever. Like that was uh, that was just that promo. Their promos together have been bad. Mm-hmm. Justin, um, you weren't with us on the uh, the Top Rope Nation Extra show, which again, listeners, you can you can check that out. It's exclusive over on Patreon. Uh, what's your initial reactions? We haven't talked about this with you to uh, the news about Bischoff and Heyman. What's what's your take on all this? Is, does it excite you? Do you think it's a good move, a bad move? Uh, what are you feeling at this point? I don't think it's going to matter if they still report to Vince McMahon and and he's got final say. And if they keep doing this wild card rule and they don't make these two brands actually look and feel different, I don't think it matters. Although I will, I'm if they give them some leeway, I'm excited to see what Heyman does. Shocked that they went to Eric Bischoff. Yeah. 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 I, yes. And no, I guess. It, Cause he, he was part of, you know, and he was a big reason for one of the most exciting times in wrestling. And, and he wasn't really a hundred percent at fault for the downfall of WCW either. So I don't know, maybe, uh, I'm curious to see, maybe they know something we don't. Yeah. We, Kyle and I talked on, on the Patreon show about some other names that are out there that we thought, possibly could have been better choices some more new blood that haven't been in this position before i guess we were both shocked that they would go to a guy who hasn't really had any success booking wrestling in you know 20 years but uh i guess you know they're looking at him he's going to be doing the fox show um and uh his experience with with big networks from wcw but uh you know i i, I don't know we'll see but i i think you're you're right uh they're still reporting to Vince McMahon, so I'm not sure how much of a, a difference it's actually going to make if it all still goes through him. Um, once the XFL gets started, we'll see if Vince's attention gets divided a little bit. Maybe we'll get, be able to get some more original ideas through. Uh, but God for willing. the time being, yeah, for the time being, uh, I'm not sure how much is going to change. I do think it might reinforce the brand split a little bit, though, now that they're doing this. Kyle, you agree? Yeah, I just I don't know how it can. Yeah, like it, well... The Bischoff-Heyman thing allegedly isn't going to be storyline, right? So right. I don't know. But it would be weird if you have these different, like, if you're having different writing teams, then they're going to, the, then you run into the thing. It's like, well, what if they're using them in, like, kind of different ways? Or what if, like, the one show does something that the other show didn't want? You know, what if Bischoff does something with Seth Rollins that Heyman didn't like? That, and it's that's why you have to get rid of the wild card rule. Yes. Yes, like to me, like if if you're gonna have a brand split, you sh- yes, you need two writing teams. If you're not gonna have a brand split, it should just be one writing team. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, so we'll be talking a lot of WWE next week with the pay per view on the horizon. But uh, I did want to get to this historical topic before we wrap things up tonight because we've been talking off air. This was Justin's idea about covering this topic we love talking classic wrestling obviously you can hear top rope nation classics over on patreon those are some of the funnest shows that we do so we thought we'd change the pace a little bit this week it's kind of a historical question um with uh tag team wrestling so justin do you want to lay out 
what the premise is for this discussion we're about to have and in what kind of the rules are that you thought of when you put this question out there on our Twitter page? Yeah. So, you know, I wish I could remember how it even sprung to my mind. It was probably just me randomly thinking of Cesaro and uh, how great he is, but basically it's just, you know, I wanted to know what is the Mount Rushmore of tag team specialists and in order to qualify for me and my thought in, in which I'm, I'm going to give it to Kyle for coming up with, with a much better uh, uh, reasoning as to what makes a tag team specialist. But my initial thought was I didn't want anybody who became a world champion or went on to like a main event uh, run. Cause that to me, that just, that made, yeah, that just made that. Yeah. You're a solo wrestler at that point. You've made it. Um, Cause frankly, I, I thought like Kofi Kingston, would have been a great option until his most recent run. Mm-hmm. You know, now so he is me, disqualified. Now. Yeah. To me, he's a main event star, but Kyle actually said it better when he brought it up. He thought a tag team specialist is someone who uh, you could actually make a strong argument that their tag team work was more interesting than their solo career. So, I mean, either way you want to look at it, you know, when I post the question on our Twitter feed, a lot of people came back uh, with edge. And like, I don't, to me, that doesn't, he doesn't qualify at all. But mm-hmm. I want to table that discussion for a second because I've actually been thinking about that in the last week. So, uh, I, in, in, when I posed it to you guys, it was because to me, there's three sure things and I couldn't decide on who would be the fourth guy. So for me, Bobby Eaton, Arn Anderson, and Cesaro are on the Mount Rushmore of tag team specialists. And so I threw it to you guys to help me figure out for one, did you agree that Cesaro should be on there? And, and two, who's that fourth guy? Okay. Kyle, what did you think of those names? And what, what did you have on edge too? Before I forget, I was trying to look at our discussion from the text message situation. Oh, okay. Okay. Anyway, whatever. I can kind of remember it anyway. So yes, I liked how Justin prefaced it with Eaton, Anderson, and Cesaro. All three of them need to be on there. I thought that I actually think there are three pretty obvious choices and the, the interesting part's the four, because no one came to mind initially. I was at the zoo, by the way, wandering around with my child while I received this text message and immediately then took my mind off my child and just started wandering the zoo. Oh. Thinking about that. <laughs> hey, real quick, I'm sorry to interrupt. The other caveat for me was uh, multiple partners. You could, yes, like, yes. I think a lot of people threw out like Robert Gibson and that just doesn't work for me. Oh, I know, I know he. Yeah, sorry, Ricky Morton. Yeah, uh, that just doesn't work for me. I know he had multiple runs, even one with another guy, but it wasn't memorable with the other guy. So, okay, it's funny you mentioned Ricky because that is an important camp. Because I think Ricky Morton had like one of the great defined roles in the history of tag team wrestling. Like I brought up, you know, like I joked about her on the show, just you know, playing Ricky Morton, but um. You know, there's the argument how important was Robert Gibson that team. If there's somebody similar to Robert Gibson, would the rock with the rock and rolls even better? But yeah, you're right. I, I think it's somebody who's got to have to have multiple partners. I actually went with like three or more. To me, had to be my rule. Um, with Edge, okay, I get where it's like, okay, what is Edge better known for? I think people, most people, identify Edge as like the rated R superstar now, right? Do you mm-hmm. is that fair? Yes, his run with Lita. Okay, yeah, I, th- I think, or even post Lita, even like with Vicky Guerrero, just as like 
smack top SmackDown heel. Like I think that's what most people identify Edge as, even more so than the team with Christian. Now that said, Edge has been in some like pretty damn good tag teams, and at times I wasn't as crazy about his singles run as other people were. Um, I, I never really liked him as a singles babyface, to be very blunt. Um, so I, I can see him. He can go both ways. I can see why you wouldn't want to count him, but man, you know, obviously the Christian teams is one of the, you know, on the short list of great teams in WWE history. Um, I liked the team. I talked about this on Twitter. I know a sore spot, Ryan. I'm sorry. Uh, but I liked the team with Hogan a lot. I thought that was a phenomenal use of 2002 Hulk Hogan, basically just to stand out there and get a hot tag and work for a couple minutes while Edge played Ricky Morton. Um, I liked, I, I can't tell you a great rated RKO match, but I liked that. I liked them together. I think their best moment was actually in that four-way at Backlash Show 7 with Cena and HBK. Um, and I'm trying to think who else. There was another team that I liked with Edge. I was thinking about it. Now it escapes me. I, I might have missed it. You said Rey Mysterio, right? No, I didn't. That, that was it. And yes, of course, the, with Rey Mysterio, the SmackDown 6. That was a very good, that was a good baby face tag team. That was, that was the only, that 2002 period where he was up and coming was like the only time I liked Edge as a baby face. But anyway, um, that's Edge. The name that I came up with, and I texted you guys this, was Dustin Rhodes. Again, Dustin does have it's some gray area, or should I say gold area? Hey, oh, um, you know, because he is very well known for doing gold dust. But I could throw the question back is gold dust that great? It was memorable. He had the Ahmed Johnson mouth to mouth angle on Raw, which we all laugh at, I think, or we not laugh at it anymore. He certainly peaked uh, with Roddy Piper at WrestleMania. Yeah, well, it was around the same time. But, like, okay, let, let take that, that six months when he was the Intercontinental Champion out of the equation, okay? Kind of floundered the rest of the year. 97 babyface gold dust absolutely sucked. I mean, right? I mean, there's yeah, no yeah. counter for that. Um, the artist formerly known as Goldust, period, <laughs> was as shameless as it got. His ring work wasn't good. I mean, it was mildly entertaining at times. Um, Bible-thumping Dustin Runnels smelled really bad. So, I hope you don't say anything bad about Seven, his WCW run. Oh, boy, then there's that. And, I mean, obviously, I like Lock the natural. Yeah, I like the And the, there's the natural. Dustin Rhodes is obviously very good, too. If we go back to WCW, but let's go back to WCW. Because he had, I think some of his great moments, most of them to be a, a good portion, were in the confines of a tag team. Barry Windham, Justin, I know you're on, you coast like oh, that. I love, love that tag team. Love the Texicans, as Jesse Ventura referred to them as. Um, then, of course, you know, it was short lived, but him and Steamboat won the titles, and that match where they win them at the Clash is oh, like another great best, match. It's one of the best WCW matches in the 90s. I'd probably put it in my top five, quite frankly, if we're being honest. Um, and then you move to his WWE career. Okay, love the team with Booker T. And mm -hmm. here's the thing, too. A very different, and we'll get into this when we break. We'll, we'll, we have to go back to Arn Eaton and Cesaro. But, you know, Gold Dustin Booker, obviously a much different team than Dustin and Barry. Like, it's like not even like the same kind of thing. 
Um, and then you have his team with Cody. Again, a very different thing, a, a brother team. I like all those teams. I, I would submit Dustin Rhodes to be one of the great tag team wrestlers of all time. So, Kyle, do you agree with the top three of Eden, yeah. Arn, and Sazaro? Yes. And then, are you are you putting? I would, I would actually, I would, I would, I actually think it's inarguable that those are the top three. Okay, and then, so are you going with Dustin for your fourth spot? Yes. Okay. Uh, there is one ironic thing as we t- so let's talk. I'll throw this to you, Ryan. Okay. So, um, with um, after we do this, Cesaro had um, the real Americans. Tyson Kidd, Sheamus. And of course, uh, Chris Hero. Obviously, that wasn't and WWE. Keep, yeah, but... And, yeah, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, and that, that's um, with Anderson. There's a real irony with Anderson and Eaton, too, because their team together was actually their weakest team for both of them, <laughs> I think. When they teamed together, like it was, again, that dirty word known as expectations. Mm hmm. You know, everyone's, oh, my God, you know, that match with the Steiners, Super Bowl two. this would be the best match of all time. And it was kind of like, eh, it's okay. But, um, yeah, that's all I had on that. Um, I I would not go with Dustin Rhodes as my fourth. Mm-hmm. I'll talk in a second. Uh, Justin, do you have a fourth? I, Kyle actually talked me into Dustin, if only I because I couldn't come up with a good one. You know, I thought of guys like uh, – uh, Mike Rotundo. Um, boy, I'm he drawn some bad teams too. Yeah. Like Money Inc. Can we just be, let's just freaking put our cards on the table. Money Inc. <laughs> would not be good. They had some um, boring matches in the history of mankind. I think you could uh, make an argument for Billy Gunn. Mm, I have him. Although, He's one of them. I was, I was although I'm not, I wasn't a fan of the smoking guns. Yeah. I didn't like how they wrestled in jeans. It made me uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Um but my my the other thing I really wondered is I think when it's all said and done, uh I think Chad Gable's gonna be on this list. And I think you can make an argument that he's probably in the top ten right now. Okay. Well, the names that I've been going back and forth between. So if if you are if your criteria here is multiple title runs with multiple partners. Yes. I've kind of narrowed it down to two guys Ooh. that I feel really you could I'm able to pick it. I think you could really make a case for both of these guys because they had multiple title runs with multiple people. Um the first one I'm gonna mention is Owen Hart. Because Owen oh. Hart had a tag team title win with Yokozuna with the Bulldog, obviously. They were together for a while, 96, 97. Um, he had a title run with Jeff Jarrett late in his career. He also and he had... Not you know, a bad team in, during that dog era of in-ring work. Yeah. And then, I mean, the new foundation, brief, but with the Anvil, they didn't have any title runs, but that, he had that, a tag that, team that, with that, them, and then high energy that, with Coco Beware. Nor was that good. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm just mentioning all okay. the teams, I can, like the high-profile teams he was in. Um but you look at the three title runs there, Yokozuna, Jeff Jarrett, Bulldog. I always thought his team with Bulldog was great. Uh, Justin, you reacted when I said Owen Hart. What were your thoughts on that? Well, I love that you brought that up because, you know, I, I had thought of him. And for me, there there became kind of a cutoff of guys that I could accept. And it, it was basically on one side, there's Dustin Rhodes. On the other, there's Owen Hart. For me, 
Owen Hart doesn't make it because for one, I think his solo stuff is way more interesting. And, and plus you add in, uh, his feud with Bret Hart is by far the most interesting part of his career. Um, I just preferred him as a solo act. It, it for me, just me personally, my own opinion, I didn't really like any of his partners. I hate Jeff Jarrett. I didn't like watching Yoko Zuna wrestle. Um, well, so that, that you, fortunately that, with all but you didn't have to that much. True. <laughs> so yeah, true. That to him, yeah. So, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of where my cutoff was as far as, you know, one side of the other is, as far as can somebody be considered a taxing specialist, I I would definitely accept your argument. Um, but for me, he, he's just not quite there. He's a, he's a little too big big for a tag team specialist, solo big. Oh okay, yeah, I, those are all good points. I could see that. I, I thought of him too, for the record. So I I, I was wondering if you were going to bring up someone I had not thought of. Yeah, I just I just see Owen though. Like for me, maybe it's it's just the time periods I was watching and uh, when I was most into wrestling. But when I think of like him and Dustin Rhodes, I have a lot of memories of Owen and the tag teams. And with Dustin, I more think of his singles runs. But you could also make the argument Owen brought out a lot of good in his partners. Uh, but we can come back to that if you want. But the other guy I thought of was Rick Steiner because obviously with Scott, um, he also held titles with uh, Sting, Terry Taylor, not to mention Judy Bagwell. <laughs> okay. But, but, okay. I think Justin, we need to clarify something because, because Ryan has, has mentioned the Rick Steiner, Judy Bagwell team, the new foundation and high energy here. There's another caveat, Justin. I don't want to speak for you on this. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can give a little nod if you're in agreement. <laughs> the teams also had to be good. <laughs> yeah, but that was actually no. I I said that in jest, but it was it was a it was a tag team title win. But no, with with him, obviously, it's more his uh, long run with Scott. And uh, Scott went on to a bigger singles run, so I don't think you can consider him here. Obviously, with the criteria, but Rick definitely a tag team specialist. Multiple title wins, looking more so with Sting and Terry Taylor. Um, I had Billy Gunn on my list, but you guys just mentioned him a little bit ago. Um, then you then you get down to obviously the British Bulldog, two different eras with Dynamite Kid in the 80s, huge stars. And then uh he goes on to a singles run with the IC title, and then nearly a decade later, he's starring with Owen in a tag team championship situation again. So I think you can make a case for Davy Boy Smith and uh Probably on the outside, you're looking at like a Devon Dudley, uh, Marty Janetti, who Ooh, uh, who him, him and Sean they never got the title win recognized. He also was chance with the one two three kid. So yeah, go ahead, Justin. Uh, another name I wanted to throw out there, one that for me doesn't qualify because uh, of too much of a main event run and a world champion, uh, but I think an argument could be made that his tag team stuff is more interesting than his solo work kane yeah true very true he's, he's been you know rvd x-pac uh undertaker obviously uh daniel bryan i mean he's been in a lot of uh pretty good he tag had, teams he had a lot of the very unlikely team of kane and <laughs> yeah exactly he was in a lot of those you know when you brought up yeah x-pac um Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, this is a he, tough. That's all better. the ones I had that were different from yeah. what you guys have mentioned. I, I yeah, had a I, lot of the other ones on my list that you had already talked about. I definitely think an argument could be made for it, if Owen Hart is considered to be eligible, I would put him above 
Dustin Rhodes. Um, just because I think, you know, he's just a better wrestler, a greater talent. Um, just personally, he doesn't qualify. So um, I'm open to if, if we just want to leave that third spot open or if uh, you guys want to make a call. So, so, I mean, I'm not building this. I hope you know that. I'm not going to go out my back door. <laughs> so, clarify again, door. Justin. So why why is Owen not qualified? Because he didn't help. He didn't have a world title. He had the brief few. Well, not brief. About a year with Brett over the world title. Um, for for me, he, he had a good main event run, and I thought his, argue that that was the highlight of his career. I think. Yeah. Like you know that was better than anything he did in tag. Yeah. And, to, and exactly that. That I think his solo run was far more interesting than his tag run. Okay. So do you have a, a fourth you're willing to uh, tag your name to or undecided, Justin? I, I I would I wouldn't permanently put the name on. It would be like maybe with a little scotch tape, but but I'd say Dustin Rhodes for now. And I'm, yeah, I'm willing to hear from our listeners too. To hear yeah, people. yeah. I, I'm, I'm I'm in the scotch tape. Let's talk about the the three guys that were just like. Well, what what about before that? What about Rick Steiner? You guys didn't talk okay, about Rick Steiner. I, I actually like that because Rick Steiner, other than the end of '88 when he broke away from the varsity club and he wins the TV title from Rotunda, the former partners deal. Rick never did get over as a singles guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, God, did I hate him in like 99 WCW as a singles like feel. God. God, was that horrible. Um, and for a while, Scott struggled too. Remember like Scott, like everyone would watch Scott within the confines of section like, oh my God, wait till this guy breaks out as a single star. And they gave him that Ric Flair match on the Clash and it like wasn't good at all. Uh, yeah, Ric Flair, 91. Hello. You're not having good matches with him. Um, it wasn't until he discovered Big Papa Pump, you know, but uh, Rick Steiner, I think, is is on the list. I don't know if he has enough body. I mean, he does have the work in the UWF, but. Other For like, me, I, mean, I just I didn't find him interesting outside of the Steiner brothers. I didn't really just, I didn't really care for any of it. Yeah, I mean, he was teams. in other teams, but yeah, it's just kind of like, it's so much the Steiner. It, it's so much Rick Steiner, one half of the Steiner brothers. I think that might, you know, whereas, you know, a guy like Owen or, or, or Sir Dustin, they had more um, variants of their different tag teams. Okay. So uh, the other three, the three that are in stone for us, what do we want to say here about Eaton and Arn and Cesaro? Is Cesaro the best solo worker of the three? And is that because he never has truly gotten a singles push in the WWE? Hmm. That's a question. Oh, man. I, I want to say yes, but, you know, I, I can't help but think about I loved Arn Anderson's television title run. Yeah. Um, But, boy, I, I think I would just I would go with Cesaro's ring work anytime. Like, I would say I, I I would say I also like him slightly better than Arn. That's hard to say because I really really like Arn Anderson too. But in a vacuum, if I got to watch one of the two wrestle a singles match, I'm probably going with Cesaro. Also, what do you think, Kyle? I love beautiful Bobby. I love the Alabama Jam. What a move! <laughs> a great high flyer, beautiful Bobby. I loved uh, Monsoon Classic. One of the great. Uh, names on youtube.com that is hilarious because i was just talking about monsoon classic with a friend 
right before we did the show tonight. What are the he odds? lives in Cleveland. He does. Do you yeah. know him personally? I don't, which is a travesty. He, he I, goes to the AIW shows. I'm going to, I don't know, maybe I'll just sniff around, maybe try to shake a few hands. You never, you never know what I'm up to. I saw one of my buddies tonight that I haven't seen in many months back in town. We went out and had a couple drinks, and we always talk pro wrestling. It's a big, big early '90s WWF fan, and uh, so he's always checking out the Monsoon Classic YouTube channel for that old footage. And I actually said to him tonight, "Been on YouTube on that Monsoon Classic channel lately?" So to hear you name drop that on this show tonight is pretty hilarious. Yeah, we. Um, <laughs> but he put up the formation of the Blue Bloods in like '95 WCW, and like, look, okay, that was pretty panned at the time. You know, with 2019 eyes on, it's really something to say that, like, okay, maybe this isn't good, but him and Regal were both so committed to it that I really, you know, with 24, 25 years of hindsight, was like, I respect this. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the thing, I'll the thing with Eaton that's, so, that's so interesting, too, is that, like, you know, having, you know, the Midnight Express, obviously, he was the constant, you know, and, you know, him and Conjury were like the measuring stick for so long. And then I think most people would then consider him and Lane the better version, like, which says something right there. Yeah, you know, absolutely. That the original Midnight Express were just so great. And then he wound up like, you know, getting another second partner and they were, um, you know, viewed as even better. Yeah. Okay. Guy, though, definitely was not a very, unfortunately, just not a very interesting single. Yeah. Well, Arn teamed with Bobby Eaton at one point. Yeah. Arn's uh, obviously got the uh, the the wrecking crew with with Ole Anderson. Uh, the time with Tully Blanchard. I think for me, like when I thought of this question, Arn Anderson was the one that first came to mind. Uh, he was like an automatic for me. So those three. Fourth, it's just it's really tough to pick a fourth. I'm not sure I can definitively say who I would go with because right now, you know, I was thinking about Owen. Now I'm kind of leaning towards Davy Boy, to be honest with you, just because of the, you know the two different eras where he was such a big star in a tag team, and obviously what the Bulldogs did in the '80s was huge. Man, I I don't know. I I feel like I want to go with Owen or the Bulldog right now with Rick Steiner just a little bit on the outside looking in. You just love the Heart Foundation. I do love the Heart Foundation. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but I did you guys like Owen's team with Bulldog? Because I always really like that team. Let's talk about their highlights. <laughs> okay, no, no, I, I'm sorry. That that's bad. If you're not watching on I, Patreon, you didn't see the didn't see the face that uh, Kyle was just making. No, I, I literally went into thought mode. I was like, okay, let me take my brain and put it in 1996, 1997 WWF, and immediately try to you know, not great podcasting, but I'm like, okay, what are the highlights? Well, okay, it would probably be the match on Raw against Michaels and Austin, the title change when they lose. That is a. By the way, we talked about this a few weeks ago on the show. Mm-hmm. TV matches, tailoring your style to work on TV, a little different than a pay-per-view match. That's another example of working on the TV. Oh, by the way, I'm going to have to do the match of the week, by the way. I have to look up what I wrote down. Oh, there. Yes, there it is. Okay. Um, No, I liked that team. I I think they didn't – 
tag team wrestling was just so dead in that era. Yeah, it was to me. That that's kind of the thing to me. They, they kept it interesting at a time when it wasn't that they were a good team. And you know, it's funny because it never went anywhere because of the heart foundation reformation, but the storyline him and Davey were building in 97 you know, where Davey was going to turn baby face and Owen was going to heal. They're going to feud. That was really well done. Yeah. And the team with Yoko was good because it was the perfect way to bring Yoko back at that stage of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, Yoko could just come in. It was, it was basically the heel version of Hulk Hogan in the edge team where Yoko could come in, do a couple power moves. We didn't have to sit through the f- stupid nerve holds, you know, cause he could just tag Owen. Mm-hmm. And Owen could do ninety percent work. Yeah, you know, a tag team can be good with one of the guys doing ninety percent of the work. It's the old dream team rule: Valentine and Beefcake. <laughs> yeah, uh, man, I I don't know. I'm I think I'm leaning towards Owen now again. I I don't know. This is a tough tough question. I'd love to hear the listeners' thoughts. So if, if you have some long drawn out thoughts on this, we'll read them on the air. Explain your rationale. Yeah. Email us topropenation at gmail.com. Mm. Let us know. Well, we can revisit this topic next week. Uh, that's probably the easiest way. Uh, like I told you, our Twitter account is up, but uh, the functionality is down. But uh, that's at Top Rope Nation, Instagram, all those places. But email is probably best that's for this coming. kind of question. So um, please, please, please get get to us because Kyle really needs to get to work on that monument. It'll be a nice place for the frog to have orgies. <laughs> Yes. Well, that's a great, that is a great past Top Rope Nation reference right there. Uh, Kyle, are you, are you ready for the match of the week? Is it time? Our deep dive of the week. Yeah, we're not, get... we do not have to dive very deep this week. I was wondering if it would have to do with this topic, Kyle. So it is time for the Kyle Russ, I love this sport, deep dive of the week. Take I it away. I should have done a tag team match, shouldn't I? I always try to like have something to do it, but I've been scrambling so badly this week. I just, was very lazy um it's from this year and we talked well okay i'll tie it in i mentioned the cody dustin match earlier in the show right how it might be my match of the year well i'm pretty sure that this match is my third favorite match of the year besides cody and dustin and osprey takagi david Starr, jordan Devlin from ott earlier this year you can find it they just put it they just put it for free up on their YouTube page. And the real thing you need to make sure you watch here is this video package. Because this OTT, I mean, this promotion, they're, they do the best video packages of the business. Are they the ones who did the Walter yes. and Jordan Devlin? Yes. It's the same yeah, same promotion. I mean, and they talk about that, that they incorporate that into this storyline. I don't mean to be hyperbolic. I know I can be at times in the show. I watched this. I texted my buddy and I said, look, I know this sounds crazy. If I'm WWE, I'm telling Kevin Dunn, here's your severance package, pal. Go pass, go collect $200, hit the freaking soup line because you're <laughs> out of here. We're bringing in these guys. This video, these video packages these guys do are unreal. I mean, it just gets you so fired up for this match. I mean, these guys didn't even have to like really do much to have me excited, but they did. Uh, it's a really hot match, and it's right up there at my top of the year. David Starr versus Jordan Devlin from Over the Top uh, Wrestling. Google Over the Top's YouTube channel. It'll be one of the first two things up there. Make sure you watch the video package first because, my God, it will enhance the viewing experience. 
Nice. All right. Well, check it out. If you have if you have uh, comments on that, also email us, topropenation at gmail.com. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, we love hearing from you guys. Love reading your comments on the air. So the email, or you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'll read that on the air as well. Um, guys, people are blowing up stuff outside of my house right now, doing the firework thing. I got to say, I would rather light my money on fire than spend money on fireworks. What a colossal waste of money. Amen. Some say I was lighting my money on fire about the sh in the shank of the evening Saturday night for Brian Story's <laughs> birthday party. I'd get more entertainment out of that than I would uh, just throwing up stuff in the air, to be honest. Unless it's during a wrestling show, get fireworks the hell out of here. Serious, man. They've just been going off. My kids are waking up all night. I am not going to be happy. I knew I liked you guys, man. <laughs> There's my patriotism, right? Yeah. yeah. If, if you want good tag team wrestling, watch the freaking Crockett Cup that they did. The 80, you know, like the oh, yeah. Crockett Cup. I mean, that's full of the great tag teams. God, I'm still working my way through that. I've seen about half of it at this point. Every God. time I sit down to watch it, I see like a match and then I, I get pulled away. Yeah. God, the Fantastics were great. And, uh, it's pretty crazy to watch it without any commentary, <laughs> you know. It's it, just, it, and you know that actually kind of makes it tough because, um, you know, I can't. It makes it. It's kind of like that fact is maybe not want to put it on right before I go to bed because you know I'm actually I'm tired. I'm like, well, if there's no commentary, and I kind of lay it out. I'm not going to listen. You know, I'll just throw on like some old 1986, you know, Boston Garden shows. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's a different watch. It's like you're there in the crowd. But if, if you don't have like the background on the guys, especially like for newer fans, they'll probably make it a little harder to watch. But, yeah. Uh, be on Wikipedia reading about them. God, that song they dubbed in for the Road Warriors was atrocious. Oh, what I thought that, that too. <laughs> yeah. What was that? that? Well, they're doing like some of the singing though, right? So like they had to, did they use that at some point? I've never heard it before. I had neither, and it made me want to puke. I, I have no idea what it's from, but it's from some kind of, I don't know if they put out a cassette tape or something or what, because they they have a role in the song. But, uh, Hold on one second. Iron Man, it is not. No, it isn't. Yeah. Are you finding it? I'm trying. <laughs> Maybe I can Road find Warriors, it. Oh, Road Warriors Femme theme. Maybe I can find it and dub it in here in the background in post-production. I don't know what the hell that was, but it was hideous. God, if somebody could give me the story on that, I'd love it, to hear it. It is not good. It is not good. Well, guys, we hope you enjoy your holiday weekend. You can follow us on Twitter. Our personal accounts are still fully functional, so get hit up uh, at JustinJoint, J-O-Y-N-T, at TRP Kyle and at Ryan Droste, D R O S T E, and uh, throw us a follow on our personal accounts. And like I said at the top of the show, at Top Rope Nation, there's some shenanigans going on. No idea what's happening with Twitter. Hopefully, it returns to full functionality when we get all of our followers and our likes and everything back soon. But if you want to help us out, tweet at Twitter support and ask them what is going on with at Top Rope Nation's accounts. We love this podcast. Someone on your team is messing with their stuff, and we don't like it. So uh, there's a rogue employee at Twitter, guys. I don't know what's going on. All right. Any, any parting comments, fellas, before we hit the road? Uh, I'm all out. All out is coming. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we'll, we'll be at all out. I'll be at all out. Hopefully. We'll see. 
Uh, Justin, enjoy your holiday weekend, sir. Hopefully I'll see you soon. Oh, yeah. Going to do some grilling and some beer drinking. Oh, yeah. Sounds Speaking like a grilling, I, I, I'm critical of him. What? But not you, not your grilling or you, Justin. Um, the per- person I'm critical of, uh, Jim Ross, he has his pot grill with JR podcast. I do have to say, um, the episode that they just dropped where they talk about the 08 draft, where JR totally got ribbed and moved to SmackDown. Most of the, you could kind of skip through the beginning, but towards the end, he goes on this incredible sort of, um, retrospective of his relationship with Vince McMahon through the years, it is a must listen. It is Interesting. very good. I have not and heard about I, this. I had forgot all about Dr. Heine, to be honest with you. Man, that was some bullshit. Mm. That was some bullshit. I will be listening to this soon. Yeah. All right. Sounds good, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in. Episode 105. We'll see you guys next week as we preview a big, big weekend in pro wrestling. Catch you then. Peace.